I thought, well, they probably just came home and like rode all over me or something while I was right. sleeping. Right, you thought you got but then, but then I came upstairs and uh, that morning and he kind of told me the whole story and it's not what I was expecting, obviously. <laughs> yeah, kind of interesting way to wake up in the morning. Cars totaled. I just jumped out into the crowd and started running towards them. So as I got the puck, all of a sudden I got rolled over. Here's Kretzky at the line. Oh, he hit. Kretzky really belted by McCreary and he is hurt. It was his last shift in the NHL. <laughs> Never played really? again. Don't you ever let that bird stand in your crease. If he's there, you run him the f*** over. He was a beauty. My name is James Duffy, and I've been the host of NHL Hockey on TSN in Canada the last 18 years. The best part of the job, besides getting to watch hockey games for a living, is getting to know players, coaches, refs, agents, insiders, who have endless stories about the game that you've never heard. Mostly hilarious, occasionally serious, but tales you really can't tell on TV. So I wrote a book called Beauties, Hockey's Greatest Untold Stories and created this podcast. I simply asked some of the biggest names and greatest characters in the game to tell me their favorite hockey story. Today's tale, Daryl. Holy shit. Eric Nielsen says from his seat in the stands, this kid is insane. It's September 2003. The Ramouski Oceanique of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the Q, are playing their first preseason game at home against Bay Como. Nielsen and some other Oceanique vets have the night off, and they sit together in the stands, watching 16-year-old Sidney Crosby make magic in his first junior appearance. So this kid goes out there and he just lights it up. Like I mean, he gets—he's I think got eight, four goals, four assists as a 16-year-old first exhibition game in the queue. Just a, a man playing with boys. At that time. His nicknames were Sid the Kid, the Swainer, the next one. Like, just real stupid nicknames. But a group of veterans, including Nielsen, Mark Tobin, Eric Trombley, Danny Stewart, figure they have to come up with a new nickname for this guy. So, my buddy looks to be, it's like five minutes left in the game, he already got eight points. He just says, uh, hey, Neely, who's, who's the guy, um, the captain for the Toronto Maple Leafs that holds the record for the most points in the game? I said, fuck, that's, that's Daryl Sidler. He said, man, let's, let's call him Daryl. After the game, they go into the room and they're all saying, Hey, Daryl, great game, Daryl. You know, Daryl this, Daryl that. And he's like, What are you going to call me, Daryl? Man, we wouldn't tell him, obviously, right? Because he's a, he's a rookie, he's a kid's out. He's, uh, you, don't, you don't get to know your, your nickname. We, we decide it, and that's it. Crosby, he's pretty happy with the nickname. With all the different ones you could have, I'll take Daryl. I mean, there's, you know, as a young 16 year old and, and junior, I'm sure they could have come up with a lot worse. So I was happy to have that one. The next day, the vets take white tape and a black marker and write Daryl over Crosby on everything that bears his name. So it's Daryl 87 on his sticks, on his name bar, on his flip-flop, shower sandals, everywhere. It's like Crosby, it's the Daryl the next morning. 87, D-A-R-R-Y-L. A couple of media outlets eventually get wind of the story and it gets back to the original Daryl, Sittler. When Crosby returns from the World Juniors in January, there is a package waiting from Ontario. It is a framed photo of Sittler and his 10-point game score sheet, signed 
to Daryl, from Daryl, all the best in your career. Eric Nielsen almost never got to be Daryl's teammate. The season before Crosby's arrival, 2002-2003, Ramuski is the worst junior team in Canada, and Nielsen spirals. I got distracted. I got off the tracks a little bit. Girls, the party, and the missing curfew, and I had multiple chances, and they were trying to work with me, but finally they uh, walked into the office, and they gave me the one-way bus ticket and said, you're off the team, you're going back to Freddie, you're not the player we thought you were. Like, this is not what we wanted, what we had in mind. And then uh, it was like an epiphany, right? I had this flashback going back, working for my dad, and you also seeing ventilation, doing heat pumps and ductless duct work and everything. Or then had another flash of like being a hockey player, going to the gym, being the first one there, doing the extra, just sacrificing what you need to sacrifice to make it. And it was kind of like a 180. I turned around, I ripped the bus ticket up, and I threw it on the ground. I said, boys, I said, give me one more chance. They all say no, except for one. Assistant coach Donald Dufresne. He's like, "This is it. You're this is you've messed up one more time, and you're done. You're done." And then I left the office, and I never looked back since. For the rest of the season, Nielsen works harder than he ever has. Stays out of trouble, earns back the trust of the Oceanique brass. The team finishes dead last, winning just 11 games. But he saved his career. He gets called back into the team office. They tell him, "Look, we're going to draft this kid from Nova Scotia." going to be a pretty good hockey player and uh, you've shown us what, what you can do and the, who we want you to be we want you to be his roommate mentor I said yeah sure and was that something you'd want to do and I said absolutely he said who is it and that's when they said Sidney Crosby I was like who <laughs> who's that who was Sidney Crosby I had no idea who this kid was he never heard of Sidney Crosby their first night as teammates housemates doesn't go well Crosby and their billets pick up Nielsen at the bus station Crosby remembers Nielsen walking off the bus Sure enough, we go there. Um, he's this big guy, best mushroom cut I've ever seen. Uh, full energy, just right away hooting and hollering at the bus station um, after a long trip, and just uh, could tell right away, just a great guy to be around. Seemed pretty normal, and then he said, uh, "He's like, make sure you you open my window tonight." They have bedrooms next to each other in their billet's basement. He said that he was going to wait at the at the billet to make sure that he was there if there was a curfew call, but that he needed his window open to get back after curfew. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, here we go. Um, so I go into my room, and uh, sure enough, I fall asleep. I totally forget that he'd asked me that. And I just, I wake up around, it must be two or three, and I just hear this banging and crashing. And I have no idea what it is. Like, I can't tell where the noise is coming from. It's my first night there. Obviously, I don't know my billet that well at this time, so I just kind of shake it off and go back to sleep. Uh, at that point, I totally forgot what he had asked me. So um, I go back to sleep, wake up in the morning. Uh, I'm supposed to wake him up for the, you know, for the practice in the morning. So I, I open his door. It's freezing cold in his room. I look up, and the window's just demolished. And I'm thinking, oh forgot to, to open the window and so you know it's one of those ones like Nielsen you know time to get up here let's go he just rolls over and he's so pissed off at me like he's I think he just sighed and said what what did I ask you <laughs> I said yeah I know it's sorry I, I totally forgot I fell asleep and uh, that wasn't a great start luckily it's easy to forgive a guy who's about to turn your franchise around Eric and Crosby quickly become best buds. A local Mazda dealership gives them a sponsor car. 
Crosby doesn't have his driver's license yet, so the dealership puts his name and number on the passenger side door. 87, Crosby. And on the driver's side, Nielsen, 29. Like, it's driving to Daisy. Like, I'm, I'm his personal chauffeur, right? Everywhere he's got to go, we're going around. But it was kind of fun. We, we had a good time with it. Taught, taught him how to drive a little bit. We go to the parking lots, and, and uh, he was an awful driver. Still is a bad driver, but he just never really got the hang of, of 10 and 2 and being able to check your mirrors, and he just he was, he was pretty bad. He's a lot better hockey player than he was driver, that's for sure. Crosby can't handle a stick. Now that's irony. These are golden days for the boys. With Crosby, the Oceanique go from the basement to instant contender. And Nielsen has a driver's side view of the future of hockey. But one night, he almost blows that last chance the Oceanique have given him. They're out late after a game. Nielsen is the driver. He's taken home a couple of drunk teammates, and there are girls in the back. He's showing off, comes around a corner, tries to do this emergency brake Tokyo drift thing, and loses control. Lose total control of the vehicle. She starts doing donuts down the road. It's like at 2 o'clock in the morning, and then... uh, Hits the curb, up over the curb, takes out three street sides and lands in the other lane facing the wrong way on the other side. My heart's in my throat because I know I messed up. And uh, I look around and make sure everybody's okay and everybody was fine. So I went to go put her in drive and drive away and the motor just just revved her right up. So I I get out of the car, I look and the axle's broken. The front axle's just broke right too. Two tires are just sandwiched in. So now my heart's really sinking. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in trouble now. The police officer shows up, and one of the girls in the car is talking to him. Finally, the officer comes up and says, Hey, I know it was a mistake. I'll make sure you don't get in trouble. I just need one favor. All I want is two Crosby autograph cards in return. I said, done, right away, whatever you need. A tow truck takes away the beaten-up Mazda, and the police officer drives Nielsen back to his billet's house. He runs into Daryl's room, grabs the cards and a marker from his desk, and shakes Crosby awake. Hey, Daryl, buddy, you gotta gotta sign these cards for me, man. He's a heavy sleeper. You know, Sidney Crosby, he's he's hard to wake up, and he doesn't really remember a whole lot when you do wake him up from his beauty sleep. So I uh, I got him to to sign the two cards. I go back up, I get him to the cop, and uh, never heard of it anything after that. The next morning, Crosby comes down for breakfast. When I wake up that morning, I knew something. I was like, what happened? But I couldn't really, I was was pretty out of it. Sitting at the table, I see him come up the stairs, and I look, and he's got marker on his face, on his chest, on everywhere. I'm like, holy shit. He had got me to sign the cards, but he was in such a hurry or whatever. He just left the marker in my bed. So what happened was I, you know, kind of tossed and turned that night. Like, Daryl, go look, go look in the mirror, man. He's like, what? So go look in the mirror. So he goes, he comes back, he goes, what the fuck, Nielsen, what, what, he's like, what do you think, he thought that we pranked him, that we wrote a marker, permanent marker on him while he was sleeping. I thought, well, they probably just came home and like wrote all over me or something while I was right, sleeping. Right, he thought you got but pranked. Then, but then I came upstairs and uh, that morning and he kind of told me the whole story and it's not what I was expecting, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Kind of interesting way to wake up in the morning. Car, um, cars totaled and I uh, got you to sign a few cards. Pretty pissed off about that one. He, uh, he he was pretty upset once I told him the real story. Once we got the permanent marker washed off his chest and his face. Nielsen figures Crosby usually doesn't give autographs to cops to keep idiot teammates out of trouble. So it's true what they say. Sidney Crosby can make brilliant plays in his sleep. For the next two years, Daryl rides shotgun in Nielsen's repaired Mazda, 
and Nielsen and the Oceanique ride shotgun to Daryl's brilliance on the ice. He puts up 350 points in 143 games and leads Ramuski to the 2005 Quebec League Championship. The next fall, Crosby is off to Pittsburgh to Stanley Cups and Hearts and Golden Goals and one of the greatest careers in hockey history. Sid Crosby rated on goal, scores! Crosby in front, back, headshot, scores! What a goal by Crosby! Sidney Crosby again! Crosby, scores! <laughs> oh my, welcome to the Crosby Show, Canada! His old roomie and driver is off on a 12-year odyssey through the desert and jungle of the miners. Mike Angelidis, Nielsen's old captain in Norfolk and Syracuse, used to say, East Coast Hockey League, easy come, hard to leave. That's the desert. Then you get the call and you make it to the second three-letter league, the American Hockey League. That's the jungle, because you never know what's going to happen in the jungle. Then maybe you get called up to the first three-letter league, the NHL. We call that paradise. All of a sudden you go from eating chicken fingers and pizza on a Greyhound bus, riding eight hours to flying a super turbo jet and having the flaming yarn sea bass and red or white wine. Nielsen never makes it to paradise. He becomes a journeyman enforcer, mostly in the jungle. But he takes great joy and a mentor's pride in watching Crosby become a superstar. The two remain close friends. Crosby writes Daryl on his gloves his entire first season in Pittsburgh. At season's end, he gives Nielsen and each of the three other Ramuski vets who nicknamed him a set of the gloves. To this day, Nielsen refuses to say the name Sidney or Crosby. Sid is Daryl. Daryl only. Daryl forever. And there is one more night playing with the Norfolk Admirals in the jungle that Nielsen could have really used his old roomie. It's 2011, the Admirals' team Halloween party at a local bar. For Nielsen, Halloween is a holiday, his favorite night of the year. He always puts tons of effort into his costume. This year, I had the long hair. Um, I was looking through who am I going to be. So I just recently watched the movie Blow with Johnny Depp, with George Young, the drug dealer, right. back in the 70s, kind of based on a true story. So I said, oh, I can pull that off. There's a scene where he's walking through the airport. He's got the white turtleneck, the white suit, you know, the white shoes, sunglasses, long hair. So get all dolled up. I go get all the costume, get it all, go to see a professional hairdresser. She does my hair the way I want it, get the makeup, good to go. I am George Young for the night. But he needs some props. Rolled up $100 bill. I had a bag of icing sugar. So we have my makeup mirror. I got my bag of green tea and my two fake rolled up joints with uh, green tea on the inside. So I'm ready to go. Show up at the bar. We're, we're buzzing around and I'm going to everybody. I'm like, hey, you want a bump? Like, just joking, right? They're like, what? So I pull up, pull up my makeup mirror. Chalk, chalk a fake line up and then I would sw- like the icy sugar I would swipe it away with my hand so there's this scene in the movie where Johnny Depp gets arrested outside his parents house Nielsen's had a few drinks and at the end of the night as he's leaving he jokes to the manager of the bar like hey you want a bump before I go he's like what so I pull out the bag and he grabs the bag he grabs me pulls me outside it's Halloween on Granby Street in Norfolk Virginia okay so there's cops just patrolling up and down the street pulls me over to the cop says to the cop he's like man this guy's doing cocaine in my club Looked at him and said, what? And the cop grabs the bag of sugar and says, what is this? Well, the state Nielsen's in, he thinks everybody's just playing along with his character on Halloween. The manager and the cop must know some of his buddies on the team, and they're just recreating that arrest scene from the movie. They're all part of the skit. I I get it. I'm in on it. So the cop grabs it. 
He goes, what is this? I go, what the fuck you think it is, man? It's cocaine. Boom. He throws me against the cop car, uh, puts me in cuffs, hands under arrest. Meanwhile, all the players are starting to walk out of the bar and seeing this. And I'm looking over at him like, yeah, I'm yelling. Now, you can't touch me. I'm the best drug dealer there is. Like in character, full on blown character, right? And the look on some of the players' faces when they're walking out, like, who the fuck is this guy? What is he doing right now? So they put me in the cop car. I'm feeling, oh, that was pretty good. That went well, right? I mean, that, that was, and he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, that's, uh, you're under arrest. Like, that, that's a, a lot of cocaine. You're going to jail for a long time. And I'm, that's when my heart sank. I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't it. Maybe he isn't in on this right now. The officer takes his New Brunswick ID and he says, this is a fake ID. Where did you get all this cocaine? And I'm just like, man, I played for the Norfolk Admirals. I'm here. It's a Halloween costume. He's like, no, bullshit. He calls. So he gets on the radio. I hear him radio. And he's like, yeah, we got this Eric Nielsen guy. He says he plays for the hockey team here. And then all I can hear in the background is, yeah, no, we've never heard about that name. we never heard that name before. I was like, oh, no, this isn't good. He sits for 45 minutes in the back of the car before the drug unit guys come down and test his bag of cocaine positive for icing sugar. Finally, they let him go. Just another night in the jungle. He probably should have called Daryl and asked for more autograph cards. Beauties is written by me, James Duffy, and produced by Christoph Mamona, with the support of TSN and Bell Media. The book, Beauties, is published by HarperCollins Canada and is available now for order. I think you'll like it. Hey, me again. I also think you're going to enjoy this. I'm standing by with the cast of the Rubber Boots podcast. We're going to do something called the Rubber Beauties podcast, which is an after show to this podcast. I'm going to sit down with my buddies, Stoff, Lester, and Puffy. We'll talk about the Beauties episode. I'll give you the inside story on how the episode came about and bonus content that we didn't put in the podcast. We will post this every week to our Rubber Boots podcast account. Now, if you've never never listened to the Rubber Boots podcast, uh, you should. It's four TSN pals talking about sports and our wives, girlfriends, life, how pigeons make love, important stuff. So check it out. It's fun. The Rubber Beauties podcast. The after show is available where you find the Rubber Boots podcast. Beauties. They call them beauty.